Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Reacting to today's practice, the Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built Ford Tough. Like the guy with the radio voice just said, we are right across the street from Broncos Training Camp. Right across the street from Centura Health Training Center. Chad Brown, Orlando Franklin. Nate has taken off to be able to view practice. We are going to have a rotating practice viewing schedule. So uh, the Players Club, whenever we are here across the street from Broncos facility, uh, one of us will take off about two, uh, about an hour into the show and get a chance to view practice so we can report on what we see later on. I've got my practice up tomorrow. Big O, looking forward to that. I'm assuming you got Sunday or Monday. Uh, what are you looking forward to seeing your first opportunity to see the 2023 Broncos on the field? I'll be out there tomorrow as well, Chad. Okay. So um, the Broncos asked for an alumni appearance, so I'll be out there signing autographs and taking pictures. I'm looking forward to seeing just the practice schedule and the drills. You know, you played this game just like I played this game. I want to see how they transition, right? So how what what drill is the offensive lineman working on for the run game? What are they working on to, to set their hands? Vice versa for the defensive line. How are they working their moves? I, I'm just looking for each and every day to see that build up because you don't just throw it all together and say, go out there and play football day one. So I'm really looking forward to Sean Payton's staff and, and how they kind of ramp it up to playing football and trying to establish that dominance in football game. Training Camp 2023 is on air thanks to Ting Internet. If you live in Centennial, make Ting your light speed internet provider. For as low as $89 a month, go to ting.com slash centennial for more information. Yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow as well to just to see the pace, the tempo, the organization of practice. To be able to, as you and I both have been players in the league, but then coached in the league, there's a lot to be gleaned from how well practice flows, how well guys move from drill to drill, how much time is wasted on there, how much time is taken to set up a drill. Are coaches on the field coaching, or are they doing it in the meeting room so when we get onto the practice field, we're actually practicing. We're not wasting time talking. We're moving. We're, we're getting some stuff done. Um, one of my coaches would always say, I get a group of trained monkeys to come out here and sweat. We need to come out here and get some achievement done. So just the fact that you're practicing and flying around is not quite enough. You've got to achieve something. When you walk off the field, you should be better at X, Y, and Z than you were when you came onto the field. Yeah, I feel like not, not a lot of players go in with a plan. You just talked about the coaching aspect, Chad. I want to talk about the player aspect really quick for the listeners. Uh, as a player, each and every day that you walk out there on that practice field, you should be picking one thing in your game to get better at, right? So, for me, offensive line, it was always handwork, but was it an inside hand or was it an outside hand as far as shooting that first? So, hopefully, these guys are doing that and we're able to see that as well. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I'm a little jealous of Nate heading out there <coughs> across the street right now. Uh, other, some other news other than Broncos training camp is that CU football has made the move to the Big 12 official, uh, like a referee's whistle. Uh, we've got some sound from athletic director Rick George saying it wasn't all about the money. Let me state up front uh, that this move was not just based on money or finances. A decision this big uh, has a lot to do, a lot more to do than just money. At the forefront of our minds in all of our decisions is our student athletes and their experience as buffs. We've done our analysis, and, and they'll they'll be traveling less 
in the Big 12 playing in more favorable time slots where we believe they can get greater national exposure and return to Boulder after away games at earlier times. Rick Joy says it isn't all about the money, but I think by his parsing of the words there, we all can recognize that money was a significant factor in this. For the uncertainty of the Pac-12 media rights deal to be looming and that continually kicking the can down the road by the Pac-12 leadership as far as getting a media rights deal uh, versus what the Big 12 can offer the Buffs right away, I think for Rick George and for CU, it, it was an easy decision to be made. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I like the fact that they talk about it wasn't all about the money. You can't make decisions based on money. Um, but you know how it is with college football, Chad. You've watched CU's program. Sometimes CU will play on Friday nights, right? And, you know, is that a good thing for that program? I mean, for me, when I've seen CU play on a Friday night, I just so happen to be flipping through the channels and I just land on that, right? So if this is something that's going to ultimately gain a little bit more exposure for these kids, I think it's a win-win situation on all accounts. So I love this move, and I also know that CU does have to pay Dion, right? And you do want to continue to get these recruits. So I could see both aspects. And if you could, you know, make a move to check all the boxes, why not? The thought about the exposure and the Pac-12 after dark and some of the late kickoff times, West Coast for these Pac-12 teams, where half of the country is already asleep almost within before the first quarter is even over. So there is something to be said other than the money for this move to the Big 12, which would get garner. Does this help out recruiting? Uh, I think the more, your, the more your program is visible, the more your recruiting is going to be, the better your recruiting is going to be. So if kids and parents have an opportunity to be familiar with the CU program because the games are on before everyone goes to sleep, yeah, if you've got a Saturday game and you're a high school player, you're not watching Pac-12 After Dark because you're trying to get some rest because you got to play the next day. Mm-hmm. So all that Friday Pac-12 After Dark stuff, you know, it, sometimes it was cool for me when I'm traveling to go do a college game and I'm flipping channels in my hotel room. I can watch some football on Friday night. But most of the country, as I said before, is, is asleep by that point. So the media rights deal, as it's set up currently, is unfortunate for the Pac-12 because it forces them to have Pac-12 After Dark in very late kickoff times where folks don't get the chance to see the, some of the really great schools within that conference and kids don't get a chance to see where they could possibly want to go to school. Chad, you said another thing, the very late kickoff times, right? Very yeah. late kickoff times either equals to very late uh, games ending, equals to very late traveling back, equals to basically a day is already gone now because of that. So you miss out on a Sunday because you're playing late on a, a Friday or you miss out on a Saturday because you're playing late on a Friday night, right? Where typically right after you play football games you're in there the next day you're breaking down the film you're trying to stay ahead of it you get your condition and you get your lift in whereas i would imagine this is going to allow cu to also change up their scheduling throughout the course of the year to help out these student athletes as well absolutely when i used to travel with cu's program to do the games on radio with the great mark johnson <clears throat> so often if we played a night game someplace we wouldn't get back to the airport and be in our cars and sometimes three in the morning three in the morning on sunday so by the time these kids get back on campus and take the bus all the way to campus it could be 4 30 by the time they get into their dorms it could be 5 a.m 
those are rough. You do that two or three times a year, it throws your schedule off. It throws your ability to have some consistency with your program. you got to modify your schedules all the time. So there is something to be said for the better start times that will come with this move to the Big 12. Rick George also was able to talk about the exposure uh, with the Big 12 due to their deals with Fox and ESPN. A lot has been made about linear partners in today's day and age and partnering with the two largest providers in the linear media space. Fox and ESPN is who we want to be aligned with. Not only will our fans around the world be able to watch us on broadcast or cable television, but as noted a moment ago, the big 12 time slots on ESPN and Fox will provide our student-athletes with great exposure. Well, I mean, he just kind of framed up what we just talked about, that those time slots are going to be far better for the kids and student-athletes, the ability to travel back on campus to, to have a more of a regular schedule versus some of the craziness that the Pac-12 forces their schools to go through. Yeah, it's also going to be far greater money for the University of Colorado. That, too. So I, I get it. Rick George wants to talk about the, the aspects of the how it benefits, but also the money's not bad when you know that you're playing on Fox. The money's not bad when you know that you get a couple games a year on ESPN, which is only going to help improve that school up there in Boulder. All right, when O and I come back, it's been 24 hours since the Jared Bell, Sean Payton article was published. Have our feelings been modified? We'll dive into that next. Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023, thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Reacting to today's practice, the Players Club, powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all electric and built for time. This is why I'm hot. This is why, this is why, this is why I'm hot. This is why I'm hot. This is why I'm hot. This is why I'm Coming live to you from the Denver Sports zone across the street from the Broncos Facility across the street from Centra Health Training Center. Chad Brown, Orlando Franklin. Nate is over there watching practice. Uh, it is a hot day. That's why I chose that song to come back with. Uh, also hot on the presses was that USA Today article that was published 24 hours ago. Garrett, uh, Jared Bell interviewed Sean Payton. And Sean Payton went to uh, scorched earth. Big O had a lot of things to say about, uh, heck, the owner team presidents, the former head coach, the coaching staff, all the dirty hands in the facility that had a, a hand in making sure Russell Wilson wasn't successful. Uh, it's been 24 hours. How's that landing on you today? Uh, still the same thing for me. You know, I, feel, feel, I still believe that what Sean Payton did yesterday and this article coming out, I believe that this, these questions were going to happen at some point during training camp. That those responses, those spicy quotes, at some point a media or one of the members of the moguls were going to get up there and ask about, you know, the, the difference between Sean Payton's training camp and, and last year. Or, you know, why did Russell Wilson not run out of that facility this morning and run straight to the fans and high five everybody and pump up the crowd? Like, somebody's getting ready to ask Sean Payton that today, mm-hmm. right? And, and I believe that some of the quotes that were in there hey we're not doing what we did last year we're doing the opposite right so already we're seeing the effects of it where russell wilson doesn't go out there and run out the crowd and hey let's high five the fans and pump up the fans because we're doing the opposite in 2023 because there's a new sheriff in town and his name is sean payton they certainly are doing everything the opposite seemingly the very first practice of the year on wednesday 
folks who had a chance to be on ground practices last year. I was on the show with DMAC on Wednesday. And he could not stop talking about the tempo of practice and how things were just different than what they were last year. Now, the Broncos are obviously still in a ramp-up phase. It wasn't a full-go padded practice, but just the tempo, the efficiency, uh, the way things operated versus last year where things definitely got off to a slow start. So Sean Payton's desire to be the opposite of last year, I think, showed up on day one and then showed up the day after that yesterday when this article was put out talking about Coach Hackett, maybe the worst coaching job he's ever seen, talking about all these folks in the facility that enabled essentially Russell Wilson to be his own worst enemy with the office and the and all the Russell Wilson stuff, his people in the facility, in the training room, quarterback coaching and all that. So this kind of goes back to Sean Payton's very first press conference when he was asked about Coach Heaps. He's like, I don't know anything about that. We knew Sean Payton was lying back then. He knew everything about that. He knew he was not going to tolerate that kind of stuff this year. Yeah. Um, I, now, I don't know if he was lying at that particular he time. Was lying. I will say he was, he was lying. lying at that time. He knew. Okay. So maybe he knew at that time everything that was going on with the facility. Maybe he had got a rundown. He certainly has got a rundown right now, by, by now, by, you know, whether that is upper management, team leadership, uh, different people that are in the media, you know, the head of, of their media over there and Patrick Smite, they certainly have talked about the things that went on last year. When you become the, the, the face of an organization, I think that you want to, no matter what, sit down and have conversations with every individual in that con- that was in that organization, especially last year, and talk about the different things that have happened and what they saw. Like, you go in that equipment room, there were as decades of experience in there. Like Flip was back in that equipment room back in the day. I think he has probably three decades of experience as being the head athletic equipment guy for um, the Denver Broncos. So he would be a guy that, if I was the head coach of Denver Broncos, yeah, I want to ask him. And, and he's been around Peyton Manning. And he's seen John Elway. He's seen all these guys operate. So tell me, Flip, what was different last year? How did Russell Wilson carry himself as opposed to a Peyton Manning or a John Elway or a Brock Osweiler? Did you notice anything? And, you know, that's where you, how you gather your information. Well, Sean Payton is not the only one who's had some things to say about last year. Uh, Sean Payton's comments yesterday were the main topic of conversation yesterday. But it was former interim head coach who said uh, he was the one who started the shift in Russell's behavior towards the end of last season, last year. Broncos interim head coach Jer Bear, Jerry Rosberg, did an interview with our Nine News Broncos insider Mike Kliss earlier this week. And Rosberg addressed Wilson's personal office and having his coaches around were two of the first things he asked Russ to give up. That all ended when I took over, Rosberg said. I never had more respect for Russell. He showed great humility, which was a great characteristic to have. At that point in time, things were not going well. Obviously, the coach had just got fired. The team was in turmoil, as evidenced by the Christmas Day performance. After all that, I asked Russell Wilson to make a sacrifice, and he did that. And at that time, things shifted in my view. You saw teammates come to his support publicly. They saw what Russell was doing, trying to help them, trying to help the team. And he was putting the team ahead of his own comfort, perhaps. Things that he knew worked. And they worked for him in the past. His record is his record. It's impressive. He had done this previously, and they worked for him. I asked him to surrender that, and to his credit, to his vast credit, he did that for all those around him in the organization. So people can criticize and hold marks against him for whatever it was that set up. That was done in good faith by everyone involved, but it wasn't working. 
And he was the one who had the most to surrender, and he humbled himself and played well those last two games. His teammates came to his aid. aid. I think that says a lot about the character of Russell Wilson, and he's one of the other reasons why I think they're going to have a great season. So Jerry Rossberg coming to Russell Wilson's defense on two accounts. He's going to be able to bounce back and have a great year this year, but also he's given him credit for being willing to give up those comforts of his own quarterback coach and his own trainers and all that stuff and try to engender himself to his teammates, and that's when he plays best two ball games. You think there's a tie between him giving all that up and then suddenly those being his best two ball games of the season. Yes, absolutely, because one, football is a team sport. So him giving all that up, if I'm in that locker room and my name is not Russell Wilson, I'm looking at this guy getting out of his comfort zone, doing something for the last two games because it means something to him. So I'm going to study a little bit harder. I'm going to go to war for him a little bit harder where I might have been looking at the whole entire situation like, man, look at this guy. He thinks he's a know-it-all. He thinks he wants to have his cake and eat it too. He wants to be different. He wants to isolate himself. All these different things would have been creeping in my mind last year. But to see Russell Wilson now at the end of the season where two games, they don't matter, a coach that is an interim head coach that was, you know, hanging out and vacation and uh, what is that, 18 weeks prior to that or whatever it was, for that coach to walk up to him and tell him, hey, hey, I want you to do this, and Russell Wilson to do this for this coach, I'm saying, man, this guy's a team player. He gets it. He understands it. So I think that that would have made me – he would have earned a little bit more of my respect if I was in that locker room. I got to agree with you. If I were in that locker room, I'd be like, okay, too much has been given, much is expected. Things aren't going as expected, so he's going to be willing to give some of these things up, uh, which I think it further engenders him to his rest of his teammates. And it's got to be a great rest- lesson to Russell Wilson as well. You cannot be separate from the team and expect to lead those guys in a really efficient way. You've got to be one of those guys. The best players I've been around, great Hall of Fame guys, all-time players, Recognize that, yes, I do get some special treatment because of my play on the field, but I still have got to be one of the guys in the locker room. Peyton Manning was one of the guys yeah. in the locker room. Everybody's not treated equally on a, in a football locker room. Like, let's just be honest. We all know that. Right. There's certain things that I would be able to get re- away with that the kicker's not going to get away with. There's certain things that Peyton's going to get away with that nobody else is going to get away with on the team. That just happens, right? So that is expected in a NFL locker room. You understand that. But I feel like Russell last year got kind of too out of touch with, and it just went and became too big, where it was too noticeable as well, where if you're one of the guys, the other 52 guys, you're wondering, like, what the heck is going on right here? Why is he doing these things? So I love that he was able to, at the end of the year, kind of take a deep look at himself and get out of his comfort zone, because you know it like I know it, Chad. Once you get in a routine, especially in the game of football, you're sticking to that routine. For So Russ to go in a completely different direction for the last two games you know my hat goes off to him for that my hat goes off to us to take the difficult humiliating embarrassing year that was last year come up with some resolve lose the weight which 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 was an issue lose the office lose the additional coaches to humble yourself to this and now essentially be able to not have a equal footing as he was trying to have with Nathaniel Hackett between coach and player. Now essentially give it all up to Sean Payton and let Sean Payton lead and you take that step back. I've got to give a tip of the cap to Russ for, all, for accepting that. Yeah, and not a lot of players would have accepted that. 
you know, we talk about Peyton, and I don't think Peyton would have ever let it get that extreme, right? I don't think that Ashley Manning would have been parking right next to the Broncos facility and walking through the media stuff and, and then, you know, coming out and walking on the football field. I think Peyton would have corrected all of that before. But when you get in your routine, I don't think Peyton would give up anything in his routine. Like, Peyton was used to coming in on a Tuesday night, right, after the game plan was kind of done and, you know, sit with coaches, and you would easily know that he did that because on Wednesday morning he was rolling. And he knew the the words changed, and it, it was definitely like, hey, this guy either put this playbook in or he sat with these coaches and have already run through this playbook for this week's game. But you just would not see a player just take, take, take. And last year, I thought that Russell just took too much and where he put himself above the team. It's nice to see that, that and know that before, like an interim head coach was able to come in, say a couple things to him, and he was willing to now take steps back. He didn't have to do that. Jerry Bear wasn't going to be there past this season. Jerry Bear was only there for two weeks. You know that if you're Russell Wilson. So, you know, I continue to stress that that was a very good sign for Russell Wilson and a step in the right direction with two games left last season. We're here live from Training Camp 2023 in the DenverSports.com zone. Thanks to our friends at Con Construction, Colorado-owned and family-operated. Commercial general contracting for over 30 years along the front range, ConConstruction.com. When Owen and I come back, a very prominent ESPN college football voice has some things about to say about the Pac-12. We'll dive into that next. Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023, thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Reacting to today's practice, the Players Club, powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning, all electric and built Ford Tough. She called me Mr. Bombastic. Tell me fantastic. Touch me on me box. She says I'm Mr. Room. Room. Call me fantastic. Touch me on Bombastic. Sean Payton certainly went bombastic. On Nathaniel Hackett yesterday. Also part of the news, football news from yesterday is the move of Colorado to the Pac-12. Yesterday, uh, Desmond Howard spoke on ESPN about his thoughts about the future of the Pac-12. Greeny, it seems like everything is headed in that direction right now. They're going to have to pull off something pretty incredible that no one sees coming if they're going to stay in existence because it seems like it's going to be the SEC, the Big Ten, and it's going to be a third conference. A lot of people say it's going to be a two-conference system. I don't believe that at all. It's just too much, too many college football teams to just be two conferences. It's going to have to at least be three, and it just may be the um, the Big 12. So I don't know what's going to happen to the Pac-12. People are coming in there and poaching their teams, poaching their programs, and they may um, cease to exist about 10 years from now. Uh, I'm with Desmond Howard as far as ceasing to exist. I don't think 10 years, it's not going to take 10 years. Oregon and Washington are going to be the next one to take a great offer from somebody with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12. There's an option for two more teams to slide right into the Big 12. Uh, if you're going to have two 20-team power conferences in the SEC and the Big 10, there's an opportunity for Oregon and Washington to slide into the Big 10, just as USC and UCLA did last year. So I can't see a future for the Pac-12 as much as I would you know, want to see it as it once was. 
part of my childhood growing up, going to games at the Rose Bowl, seeing UCLA play there, seeing USC play in, in SoCal. That was a part of my football experience growing up. I think it's just gone. I yeah. think football college conference alignment has changed the way that we view football from our childhoods. Uh, maybe not all for the best, but unfortunately the Pac-12 seems to be the next one up left to suffer with, from what realignment has brought to college football. Yeah, Chad, there's there's so much meat on this bone to unpack. Uh, what I look at is you just talked about Oregon. Like if I'm the SEC, the ACC, if I'm, you know, the Big Ten, I'm looking at Oregon and I'm salivating at the mouth. I'm Mike. like, yo, I want Phil Knight. Hey, all them cool jerseys, come on. Bring we, it. We, come on over here, right? And on top of that, they've been a great program. Mm-hmm. They've had the national attention. They have been getting guys drafted very high in the National Football League. So I, I'm right there with you, man. I look, continue to look at this situation, and, man, th- this division's just going to absolutely disintegrate over the next couple years. I, I, I don't believe it's 10 years. If I had to put something on it right now, I'd say three to five. Yeah, I'm looking at a three- to five-year window for the Pac-12. Where they try to limp by. They bring in a UNLV. They bring in a San Diego State, which really doesn't add much to the brand. But in order to field a, a conference with enough teams and to have a conference championship and all that stuff and create divisions, um, I spoke on a radio station in Utah yesterday. And, you know, they're concerned about what's going to happen with their program. Utah is a, now at this point a almost a perennial top 10 program. Uh, they play a really great brand of physical football. Kyle Winningham has got that program going in the right direction, but they're going to have a very difficult time being a part of the playoff picture if they're in a conference that no one has any respect for. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's always the other part that unfolds. We all remember a couple years ago with the UCF and how they were going with the undefeated season, but nationally there was no respect because of the division that you're playing in. So the weaker and weaker that your division gets, the less and less national exposure that you're going to get. When you're in those big-time division, you get big-time games. You get big-time TV deals from different people. And I just want to bring up one little thing, you know, about the one more added thing to the Oregon stuff that I brought up. You don't think, like, these schools that wear Nike don't want to get Oregon in their division and hopefully, hey, can we get some kind of a discount? Can we get an alliance going where everybody is what, Nike in the whole entire division? Right. And maybe there's a discount out there. Maybe there's not, right? But I do know that Nike and those Oregon uniforms, every single year, they look dope, every single one of them. And if I'm could, get, if i like a University of Miami that has went away from Nike, I'm looking and saying if, if I had to vote on bringing Oregon into the ACC, I Absolutely, we want Oregon in the ACC for those reasons as well. It's interesting, this whole college football thing. Realignment's going to continue to happen. I think every year there's going to be movement of at least three or four prominent programs to another conference. And again, I see it as the AFC, NFC, Big Ten, SEC, two power conferences in the end where they compete for the Tier 1 National Championship. And everyone else who gets left behind will compete for a Tier 2. Wait a minute. Yes. ACC's not in there? No, but it, but Florida State, Miami gets poached from the ACC to go into maybe the SEC as part of their two 10-team conferences, a total of 20 teams within that conference. Wow. 
That's what you're forecasting. Yes. Really. Big Ten will be 20 teams. The SEC yeah. will be 20 teams. They will have their two 10-team two divisions, come up with their conference champions, and they will compete for the national championship. This is the highest level of football, the most NIL dollars, the most revenue for the programs. This is the top tier. And so your Oregon States and Washington States, unfortunately, you guys have to compete for a tier two national championship with, with schools that are at your same level. I hope that doesn't happen because when you look at last year in the ACC alone, um, the University of Duke, Duke lost four games, total of 16 points in all four. Like, right. you, like you score 16 more points at the right time, like you have an opportunity to play in the college football bowl, right? Like big time bowl, but um, in the playoff series. I look at the University of Miami. I, I want, obviously, I want them to stay in, in the SEC, but you got University of Miami, you got Florida State, you got Clemson. And on top of that, you got Notre Dame that had signed that deal a couple years ago where they're going to play four ACC games. So I hope that these teams do not get poached out of the ACC because I do believe that there are room for three power conferences in college football ACC SEC and um, the Big Ten yeah well you know the folks in the Big 12 are obviously making a fight to make sure if there's going to be three power conferences that it's the Big 12 and not the ACC so the competition and the poaching is going to continue to go on Drake May too man Mr. UNC himself. Yeah. Right. Family ties out. You know what? And should be a Heisman candidate this year as well out of their University of North Carolina. I think there's something to be said for the Big 12. There's something to be said for the ACC. But those conferences from media rights deals are literally getting half of what the Big Ten gets. $33 million bucks in the Big 12 versus $66 million bucks for the Big Ten. So at some point, the dollar differences creates a divide in the programs that's almost impossible to make up. And so that's why I see this going, not because the ACC or Big 12 have crappy football teams, but just simply the money going into the SEC, the money going into the Big Ten is going to allow them to hire the best coaches, the best analysts, the best training tables. And at some point, the difference becomes so wide that it's clear that all of the other conferences are Tier 2 versus the Big Ten and the SEC being Tier 1. If this does happen, how long do you think it will take to happen? Uh, seven years. Big 12 is going to put up a fight, clearly. ACC is going to put up a fight, clearly. Um, but dollars win, as we have found out. Um, and I think the dollars from the media rights deals that the Big Ten can offer and that the SEC can offer, ACC and Big 12 just simply can't come even close to that kind of money. If you're getting double the money, why would you stay when you can get double the money someplace else? Well, you supplement your income. Make Notre Dame pay a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So when we come back, Sean Payton actually had some things to say about this Broncos football team. Not just last year's team, but this year's team and the running back room in particular. Our broadcast for 20, Training Camp 2023 is powered by Ford F-150 Lightning All-Electric and Ford Built Tough. Uh, when they and I come back, I'm sorry, when O and I come back, Here's Sean Payton talk about that running back room. Live from the DenverSports.com zone across from Training Camp 2023. Thanks to Con Construction and Ting Internet. Reacting to today's practice, the Players Club. Powered by the Ford F-150 Lightning. All electric and built Ford Tough. Little John and the East Side Boys. Get low, get low. Orlando Franklin and I cross the street from Centura Health Training Center at the DenverSports.com zone. 
please give us a drive-by. Give us a honk if you see us out here broadcasting live. I chose that song, Oh, Get Low, because one of the first things you got to do in training camp once you put those pads on is you got to readjust your knee bend and get low. Yes, sir. You've been going through it without pads. You've been going through it without leaning on people during OTAs. You know, so the, 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 the leverage thing, it's impossible to replicate that without pads. Now you got to start getting low. Yeah. Um, you know, for the last five, six weeks in whatever training facility you've been at, it's all been about working out, lifting weights, trying to get faster, trying to get a little bit more explosive. You are not going up against a person because of you're afraid and you might get hurt, right? And if you get hurt before training camp, you might have a K.J. Hamler deal where there's a split in that contract if you re-aggravate mm. an injury. So, split yeah, contracts. you got to retrain yourself starting day one of training camp to, to re redo that whole pad level thing and make sure that you're lower because the lowest man in football, is that always the case, Chad? Does the lowest man always win? You can go too low. I mean, sometimes, obviously, in short yards and goal line, we've seen you know those, those super low four-point stances. The Eagles have perfected that mush-push kind of play. But you can go too low and just get mushed into the ground. You know, so... I suppose there's there's limits to everything, but yes, an overwhelming majority of the time, low man wins. Uh, the other day, Sean Payton spoke after practice and laid out the plan for Javante Williams and where he sees this uh, this team at this early in training camp. Here's Payton talking about Javante. No, well, listen, any player who had a significant injury a year ago, Bo and I will sit down and we'll have a, a group one, you know, and that would be a, someone like him. We'll have days on limited days day off and so there's a process and it won't it won't only be with him there'll be a handful of those players and then we'll have a a mid-group of players that will have a set schedule with load management and then the last group would be you know veteran players like kareem um we have you know a handful of those guys that we'll, we'll be smart with so he would fall into that first group of uh of a planned schedule as he's recovered from a major surgery but we're pleased with it obviously with his progress we felt really good about it in the spring um and yet you know he put the work in sean payton giving some praise to Javante to get himself back for training camp but they have a plan they've got a smart plan in place the best coaches i've been around the best training staffs i've been around thought backwards from game day what's going to get you ready for the game day if we don't need to do anything here in week one or we need to slowly ramp you up we'll do all those things to make sure you are ready to kick some butt on the first game yeah, I absolutely love this plan. Um, you know, when you look at it, Javante Williams, significant injury, right? Just getting back. Wasn't out there, wasn't available for OTAs. So, love this. Tim Patrick, same exact thing, should be in this whole group one situation. Uh, that group two, maybe a Randy Gregory's in there because of just his inability throughout his career of being able to play throughout the whole course of a season where now you're ramping him up a certain way, just a little bit different from, say, the Young Bucks. And then you do have to have that older group of guys with veterans that do have a, a lot of wear on the tires that have been around the block a couple times where you do need those vet days for those guys because they've played a ton of football. They don't. But it, it's a unique opportunity for the younger guys on every one of these days when another person is held out. More reps equal more opportunities. And I just love that Sean Payton is bringing this because, as we know, last year it was two days on, one day off. Two days on, one day off as far as a jog through. So guys didn't really get a lot of opportunities. So I love this because now you might get a chance to really see a young guy pop.
Yeah, there's always a bit of a process to managing all the different players on your roster. Uh, I certainly needed some of those veteran days once I got to year 11 and 12. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm competitive. I want to go every single day. But if you walk up to my locker before practice and say, hey, you're, you're down today, I'm not going to fight you, coach. I'm not going to fight you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's cool. This is your plan. I'll, I'll watch practice. I'll help the young guys. I'll be definitely dialed into the, the practice plan. Maybe you give me a practice script so I can stay behind the scenes and, and work with some of the young fellas. Is there a right way or a bad way, to, wrong way to do that? Like, you just talked about walking up to you before practice, so I assume that you, you went through all the morning meetings, right? Yep. The installing, you're getting ready, you're taping up, you're getting ready to go out there, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, boom, you're down. Or would you have liked to know that the day before? Hey, you got a vet day tomorrow. No, because the human nature is just so strong. Mm-hmm. If I'm not practicing tomorrow, then I'm probably not as dialed in into film sessions. So I'm what probably happen- not taking the same notes. So what happens when you know that you're going two days hard work and then one day jog through then, and that's the whole entire plan and the schedule for training camp? Human nature is undefeated, man. If you know this is going to be the schedule, then you know that jog through day is going to be a lax day. So the meetings the night before are lax. The meetings that morning are lax. Your mental approach is going to be less because human nature just this is what this is what we do. So that schedule from last year that you're speaking about with Nathaniel Hackett set this team up for a probably a lost day every three days. Yeah. From a, not just on the field, but from a meeting perspective as well. Yeah, and I'm also coming back from it, right? So when you go out there, you have that lax day, that jog through. How do you sharpen it back up to, to get ready to go the following day? So you might be a little bit rusty, not only for one day, but also for two days. Yeah, well, things are different. Sean Payton says he is going to do the opposite of what was done last year. He also commented about what he likes about, what he likes about the team and where they're at right now. I thought the offseason went well. It's quiet. You know, guys were working. And I think that these guys, they want to improve and, and want to be seen in a different way. And, and look, you, you get the taste of last year. That's over with. And uh, it's a tough division. It's a tough league. But I, I think part of the procurement of players is finding those guys that it matters a lot to. And then that becomes a little bit contagious. And then you have something. He's absolutely right. You, you, you have to identify the players who are fully invested and somehow as a coach, as a staff, find ways to elevate those guys, elevate their messages within the locker room, elevate what they bring every day to practice. So you need the Kareem Jackson, the vocal guy. You need somebody who's going to be out there and give tremendous effort. You need those guys to be the bell cows so if everyone else can see this is the standard. This is the level we're trying to get to. This is the passion we want to bring to the field like Kareem Jackson does. This is the effort we want to bring to the field every single day like Russell Wilson does as an example. You've got to identify those guys and make sure everyone else gets a chance to see the work those guys are doing. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Like each and every team, there's different personalities. We always talk about it, but you have guys that, you know, are the rah-rah guys, get in your face, ramp it up. You know, let's go. When, you know, you're, you're getting ready to do nine on seven and, you know, guys are just losing their mind and it's absolutely screaming. Let's go. Getting up in other people's face. 
you know, every team has those guys. You have certain guys that are like a Ryan Clady. Doesn't even talk, but he's going to go out there and he's going to dominate with his ability of just understanding of the game, but also his skill set. So um, that's what you start seeing in day one. If you're Sean Payton as well, OTAs, OTAs, there's only a certain level of competition or competitiveness that is really out there OTAs. Now, once you get to training camp, you got to be able to flip the switch because it's a different level of intensity, but also it's a different speed when you walk out there on that practice field as well. Yeah, I've, I've talked to people about the, the ramping up of the process. And those first uh, OTAs, when you're not even on the field, that's one pace. And then you get to into a mini camp, and that's a different pace. And then you start your OTAs, that's a slightly faster pace. Then you get to training camp the first week, that's one pace. And then it continues to ramp up all the way through into the Super Bowl. So this continual ratcheting up of the pace of the intensity uh sean payton has got to guide this team in the process you don't want a training camp you want it to be intense but you don't want it to be too intense you don't want to waste all that intensity in july and august because you're going to need some of that in november and december so you've got to find a way to pace your football team uh while still getting the, the work done Coach Hackett last year was so focused on November, he forgot about the importance of July and August. This team was not ready to hit the ground running. Sean Payton's team will be ready to hit the ground running. I have no doubt about that. Yeah, each and every day is going to actually serve a purpose. These guys are going to go out there and they're going to work on something. And what we sure as hell is not going to see is this team is not going to throw out the 10,000 reps that they had in OTAs and training camp in the middle of the season and pivot and go in a different direction. Mm. Everything that they're working on from here on moving forward at some point, it will rear its head during the season when you're playing against one of these opponents that the Broncos have this year. We are live from training camp 2023 on in the Denver Sports com zone. Thanks to our friends at Con Construction, Colorado owned and family operated. Commercial general contracting for over 30 years along the front range. ConConstruction.com. When Owen and I come back, Owen and I are going to take a deep dive into our first, our first training camp, our first games, those first taste of each of these levels within the NFL. That's next.